Hello and welcome to the Get Packers podcast. We do care about the Green Bay Packers and we don't care about anything else. Let's go. Alright, hello, welcome back to Dedicated Packers. Today, again, not much to talk about, but OTAs, they are still on. Uh, they will become mandatory next week, and there are a couple of things that I thought I should touch on. First of all, Christian Watson, Andy Herman, reported that, you know, Watson's been dropping balls, at least one per practice that probably should be caught, that he's been dropping. This means absolutely nothing to me. And that's because everyone, Devontae Adams included, drops passes that should be caught, specifically in OTAs and training camp. Again, you may remember Jamar Chase. He had drop issues throughout preseason last year and training camp. And look how his season turned out, right? He's now a top receiver in the league. So I have no concerns about Watson. I think he'll be absolutely fine. That's not an issue. D-back. Bakhtiari, he's not participating in OTAs. That's kind of more of a concern, all right? Cheesehead TV's Aaron Nagler, he had a great interview with Bakhtiari after the season where Bakhtiari basically went through all the weird issues surrounding his knee. The uh, sort of summary is that there weren't any um, structural issues with his knee. That was all cleaned up, and the reconstruction of his knee, that had all gone well. But there were some major fluid issues that he was dealing with. And that was sort of, you know, what kept him out of the playoff game against the Niners. It's really what hampered him for a lot of the year. And Bakhtiari said in this interview that really just he needed rest to clear up the fluid issues. And then then the idea is that then he'll be ready to go. Lafleur said that the plan all along was to not have Bakhtiari participate in OTAs. But at this point, we are... we are 18 months removed from his ACL tear, and so, you know, you just want him to be ready for training camp. Feels like that's something that you would be expecting at this point. Um, If he's not ready for training camp, that's when alarm bells might start going off, especially if his availability for the first few games of the regular season is in doubt. But for now, there's no need to overreact. And then, last sort of small nugget or storyline alan lazard has not yet signed his restricted free agent tender not concerned here nothing to say i'll talk about it when he signs it just it's just something for people to get worked up about so because all of that took only three minutes i'm going to do a nice big power rankings top 15 teams in the nfl let's get going Number 15, I have the Cleveland Browns, and the Browns are a very, very tough team for me to rank. Um, I like their defense. I feel it can be a good unit, you know, regardless of their offense. Denzel Ward, he's a stud. He just got extended, and then you have Miles Garrett, Defensive Player of the Year candidate, Jadavian Clowney, and John Johnson, all on defense. Really like the John Johnson signing last year in the offseason for them. On offense, they also have a lot of talent. They have Amari Cooper heading their receiving core, who they stole from the Cowboys for a fifth-round pick, I believe, fifth or sixth rounder. And then Nick Chubb is in the backfield for them. So 
there's obviously a lot of talent on this team. However, they had all of this talent last year, you know, minus Amari Cooper, but they also had Jarvis and OBJ for some of the year. So the question for me is in terms of how good the Browns are going to be, how long will Deshaun Watson be suspended? If it's a long time, then I really have trouble seeing the Browns succeeding because you're going to be playing with a quarterback worse or equivalent to Baker Mayfield for a lot of the season. And we all saw what happened to the Browns last year when they had to play with Baker Mayfield. Then the other side is, or scenario, is that the Browns receive or Deshaun Watson receives a you know weak short suspension from the NFL and in that case I can see the Browns making a deep playoff run you know they'll have regular season success with Deshaun really upping their their offensive play and then I see them you know reaching the AFC championship or divisional round with him at quarterback if his suspension is not for a long time maybe three or four weeks I am going to be sticking them at 15 just because I'm averaging out those two scenarios, um, perhaps leaning a bit more towards a moderately long suspension for Deshaun just because of the severity of the, you know, lawsuits around him. Then, at number 14, I have the Las Vegas Raiders. This was a tough choice for me. It was tough for me to choose between the Raiders and the Broncos. Um, and you, I'll talk about the Broncos next, spoiler, but the Raiders hired Josh McDaniels to be their head coach, he's rookie head coach, and we'll see how that goes considering his unsuccessful head coaching stint in Denver, but he, his very successful offensive coordinator job in New England, obviously, with Tom Brady where he won a lot of Super Bowls, a lot, a lot of Super Bowls. Um, the Raiders, they snagged Devontae Adams from the Packers. They brought him in to play with his old buddy, Derek Carr. And Carr, I thought, played very, very well last year. So a lot of this on offense looks pretty good for them. I think they'll be good offensively bringing in Devontae. They have Josh Jacobs. On defense, I don't expect anything spectacular from them. I think they'll be around the same on defense as they were last year. And to me, this just looks like a middling team. Um... If they were in a in in an easier division, I might move them up, but it just the division seems too hard for me to rank them too much higher than fourteen. And then moving on to number thirteen, the Denver Broncos. Yeah. The Broncos had very possibly the biggest offseason move in trading for Russell Wilson. Um, you know, many, many people have considered this a move that will propel their offense. Um, way above where it was with Drew Locke. And with their absolutely stacked defense, I think a lot of people consider them a fringe top 10 team, you know, right around 8, 9, 10. And here's why I don't consider them there. Russell Wilson. And that sounds weird. That's counterintuitive, right? You'd think Russell Wilson is the only reason they are up there. Well, no. Because Nathaniel Hackett, he is their rookie head coach. He was brought over from Green Bay. And so I would expect him to attempt to implement remnants of the LaFleur-Shanahan offense. However, Russell Wilson, he's shown that he does not really have a system at quarterback. He doesn't fall into a particular system. He doesn't seem to play well within a particular scheme. And instead, he just makes things happen on his own. And so that, I think, will cause an issue because 
the Broncos offense probably only be slightly more successful than the not so great Seahawks offense. You're not going to have many more weapons, if any more weapons at all. And the coach can't help you too much because he doesn't play within a scheme. So it's not all Russell Wilson's fault. You know, his height, that limits his short game abilities. Um, But all of that leads me to believe the Broncos offense won't be as good as a lot of people think. Defensively, I think the Broncos are in for a little bit of regression. They lost Vic Fangio, um, and, you know, he may not have been the greatest head coach, but I really, really, really do think he helped the defense. Ejiro Evero, Evero, he was a candidate for the Packers defensive coordinator job last year. Probably should have learned to pronounce his name by then, but, you know. Uh, he is now Denver's defensive coordinator, and we will see what he can do. Um, I'm curious to see what will happen to the Broncos defense without Fangio. I think it will be good. I think Evero will do a good job there. But overall, I just I still see them as a middling team because they have a lot of talent on offense and defense. Uh, you know, especially getting back stud in the cornerback Patrick Sertan. But I'm just not high on them with their division and the fact that Russell Wilson does not play in a particular scheme. And then at number 12, you have the Philadelphia Eagles. And this feels like a risky move to me um, because I'm basing a lot of this ranking off of offseason moves. And usually offseason winners aren't exactly the best teams in the regular season. I'm not saying that Philadelphia necessarily is an offseason winner, but they you know, through the draft have made a lot of great moves. So that's a lot of what I'm banking, ranking them on here. Um, that's a lot of why I moved them up. But, you know, I, I put them here because of those moves. So I'm going to go over it because I do really believe in the Eagles. Um, they traded in the draft for A.J. Brown. They drafted Jordan Davis, who I absolutely love. I talked about how much I love them. And then they stole N'Kobe Dean. And I think A.J. Brown plus Devontae Smith will make a great, great, great one-two combo on offense. You know, you're going to have some weapons for Jalen Hurts, provide a new dimension to this offense that simply was not there last year where they had to run the ball a lot. Um, And it worked. It worked. But there was a lot of running, and now they can have a real two-dimensional offense in both the run game and the pass game. On defense... Their defensive line is terrifying, right? You got Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox lining up side by side. No thanks. No thanks. Uh, Opposing offensive lines, especially interior offensive lines, will be shaking in their boots. And then you've got someone like N'Kobe Dean. And man, even if he only plays with one arm because of his, you know, injury that is reportedly why he fell in the draft, I think he will drastically upgrade their defense. Uh, I like what Nick Sirianni did last year. You know, he brought that Eagles team to the playoffs, and it just feels like they've totally improved on both offensive defense, and so I see them taking a leap this year. Then at 11, we have the Dallas Cowboys, and the Dallas Cowboys are a fun team to rank lower right now and to dump on, and it's just, it doesn't seem totally fair to me, right? They, you know, they, they're, they have the hate factor of being America's team. They lost to the Niners in the wildcard round with very high expectations, but I'm not that down on the Cowboys because, first of all, in the draft, they came out of the first round with tackle out of Tulsa, and they also have Michael Gallup coming back from his ACL injury. They have 
C.D. Lamb and trope alert here in the best shape of his life. He reportedly grew half an inch. Not sure how you do that at age 23. But I just don't see too many ways that the Cowboys offense will decline a lot because it wasn't that good last year. Um, the, the defense really was a lot better than the offense was. And, you know, especially when you have a quarterback as smart as Dak Prescott and as talented as Dak Prescott, feels like the offense can be there. On defense, the Cowboys might experience more of a decline, but even so, that's that's still good because their defense was phenomenal last year. They have Micah Parsons. He's going to be going into his second year, and they have Demarcus Lawrence coming back. The loss of Randy Gregory will undoubtedly hurt them. This is kind of why I say they might decline a bit. Um, I'm also not sure Trevon Diggs can replicate you know, the ball-hawking performance that he had in 2021, but they're still a really, really good team. I'm not sure they're quite at the level they were at last year, considering a couple of their losses, but they have some players returning. I'm, I, I would still consider them the favorite in the NFC East. And then, moving down to number 10, you have the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts failed last year, and I feel it was for one major reason. Carson Wentz. Luckily for the Colts, they fleeced the Commanders, got a good return for Wentz relative to his play, and then stole Matty Ice from the Falcons. The Colts' defense, it will remain, I would guess, around the same as last year's, which is definitely something you can work with. You've got a stud in Darius Leonard, you've got good players all around that defense, and then I feel on offense that Frank Reich, he is a coach who I have nothing but great respect for, and I think he can put together an excellent offense with Michael Pittman, Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor. Frank Reich, he doesn't have a scheme as obvious as Shanahan's. It's not a Frank Reich scheme, though maybe that will become a thing, um, but I doubt it. He weaves plays together, and this is what he, it's so different the way he calls plays. He doesn't have a scheme, like I said, but he weaves and maneuvers play calls in a way that is really fluid and effective and just works on offense. And so I think the Colts will be able to get the same offensive uh, explosive explosivity that they had last year, but you can also remove a lot of the really, really stupid mistakes that you got with Carson, and this is what I believe sets them up for a lot, a lot of success. And then at number nine, you got the Baltimore Ravens. I think people, maybe they don't, but I think people forget how badly injured the Ravens were last year. There was a point where they were playing with essentially none of their starting secondary. They, at the start of the season, already had Marcus Peters, Derek Wolf, J.K. Dobbins, Rashad Bateman, Miles Boykin, Nick Boyle, Gus Edwards, all gone. And then later on in that season, they lost Marlon Humphrey and Lamar Jackson, their probably two best players along with a bunch of others. So obviously they were super banged up. You know, we as Packers fans thought the Packers were banged up, the Ravens were way worse, and that's hard to do. Still, despite all of that, at the midway point of the season, Lamar was very, very much in the running for MVP. You know, he was arguably a favorite by some. The Ravens, they also stole Tyler Linderbaum uh, in return for Marquise Goodwin. They grabbed Kyle Hamilton, someone who I'm really excited about, especially now that he's with the Ravens. And then they stole the extremely talented outside linebacker David Ajabo, 
who I also talked about the Packers potentially taking. So I really like the Ravens draft, and I feel like that team with a new defensive coordinator, a refreshed offense, you know, getting really a full taste of Rashad Bateman now and getting rid of someone like Marquise Goodwin, I think they can come back just reinvigorated on both sides of the ball, and I would love to see them put together a really good season. I think they will put together a really good season, and I think Lamar's going to go off. And then, at number eight, you have none other than the Cincinnati Bungles. What a magical run for the Bengals. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal run for them. I am thoroughly impressed by everything they did in the playoffs but still I'm putting them at number eight and people will undoubtedly criticize my placement of them because they were an Aaron Donald list player two from winning the Super Bowl the positives with the Bengals and there are a fair amount is that Joe Burrow looks like an absolute stud going into year three Jamar Chase may also take a big leap and that would be insane considering he was already an easy top 10 receiver last year. And then they addressed a lot of needs in the draft, like taking defensive backs, Daxton Hill. Um, Just overall, I think Duke Tobin and company, they've done a really, really good job with this team, attacking deficiencies and, you know, patching up rough spots. But that all being said, the Bengals had major defensive issues last year. They, you know, their corner, Eli Apple, he got toasted by the Rams uh, at the end of the Super Bowl, leading to, of course, a lot of criticism. They only beat the Chiefs because of their ability to exploit the Chiefs' impatience, um, and they barely stopped teams like the Raiders. They couldn't stop the Chiefs in the first half of the AFC Championship game, so that's a big concern for me. Their offensive line also has only marginally approved, and it's something that needs to take a big, big, big leap forward because Joe Burrow was getting absolutely destroyed in the pocket um, just almost on every play. And so that's something that I just I need to see get better. Um, I expect that perhaps the Bengals will have an improved regular season record because they are a better team starting the season than they were last year but I just don't see them replicating their great playoff run because of how much luck is involved and I don't think they were the best team in the AFC um, and definitely not in the NFL last year and then at number seven I'm putting the LA Chargers and I am about as all in on the Chargers as I have ever been and to be fair the Chargers have not been good that much but at this point the Chargers are a terrifying team. Justin Herbert, he is in my eyes an MVP favorite with his upgraded offensive line, which was already really good considering Rashawn Slater was a stud tackle that they drafted. They now got Zion Johnson. And then obviously he has fantastic weapons. He has Austin Eckler running back and then two studs in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams uh, at receiver. That's not even mentioning the defense. The Chargers... They add a defensive player of the year in 2018, I believe, Khalil Mack, Patriots stud cornerback J.C. Jackson, ex-Patriots cornerback, and I think he's one of the more underrated corners in the league, and so this is the kind of star-studded defense with Mack, Bosa, Derwin James, J.C. Jackson, that I think Brandon Staley can turn into an absolute nightmare for opposing offenses. I didn't even mention Asante Samuel, who looks good for the Chargers, and yes, the Chargers division, it's really, really tough. 
it's going to be a a battle throughout the year um, with the Broncos and Raiders and then especially with the Chiefs. But I think this Chargers team, they're ready to go to war in a way they haven't been in years past. And I don't want to get too ahead of anything here, but I would almost guarantee them a top two finish. Then at number six, you have the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners have a lot of quarterback and wide receiver drama. You've got the whole Lance versus Jimmy situation. Will Trey Lance get the starting job? Will Jimmy G get the starting job? It seemed like Lance was going to get it, but now we're not so sure anymore. Debo Samuel is obviously in contract negotiations with them after his demanding trade. And the Niners regardless you know leaving all that aside they're still an extremely talented team with a super smart head coach and a great defensive coordinator and so the only thing preventing me from moving them up on this list is my lack of faith in their quarterback situation so many things have to break right for the Niners to get back to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G but I just don't know that Lance is going to be better than Jimmy G and I, I'm not even sure Kyle Shanahan wanted Lance over Mac Jones when they drafted Trey Lance. So I just I don't I don't see what's going to happen with their offense. I can't project anything right now, and this is why I'm just keeping them at number six. Extremely talented team with a lot of potential, but their quarterback situation is up in the air. And then at number five, I'm putting the Kansas City Chiefs here, and I love this Chiefs team for a lot of the same reason that I love the Packers team. The Chiefs got impatient on offense last year, and it cost them a lot. So they changed their offense. They've traded away Tyree Kill, and they got an absolute haul for him. And I expect them to come out with a reinvigorated offense. They're going to have a dynamic attack that's going to involve all of Sky Moore, MVS, Juju, and perhaps even undrafted free agent Justin Ross, who's been making some nice plays in you know rookie OT rookie mini camps and OTAs. On defense, they also filled a lot of major needs. You know, they got George Karloftis out of Purdue and Trent McDuffie out of Washington. If a team has Mahomes and Reed, their offense is going to be really, really good. And I like what the Chiefs defense has the potential to do. The Chiefs are still the class of the AFC to me. And aside from maybe the Bills, they're my favorite to go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. Then at number four, the Green Bay Packers. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. This might be controversial, but the Packers offense, no, I'm sorry. This will be controversial. The Packers offense, I like it. I like it a lot. Lean into the run a bit. Spread the ball around. That's all that you need. Okay, this is what I'm telling you. Look at the Packers 7-0 record without Devontae. If you want to see what happens when he gets taken out, they find ways they find receivers to make plays you look at the Arizona game from last year they didn't even have Lazard or MVS in that game and they still beat an undefeated Cardinals team I am really really excited for what rookies like Dubs and Watson can do as well as how more established players like Lazard and Dylan can break out under a really damn good coach in Lafleur, his great scheme and a hall of fame quarterback in Rodgers then on defense, the Packers are absolutely loaded, right? Their defensive line consists of Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, and even more. They have arguably the best top three corners in the league on any given team in Alexander, Stokes, and Russell Douglas. And the only thing that can stop the Packers at this point is 
their quarterback locking into one receiver um, or special teams. And with Devontae gone, seems like it's just going to be special teams that could stop them. Then at number three, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I thought the Bucs were no longer relevant, but then Brady returned and God damn it, they're still scary. You know, some pieces are gone from the Buccaneers, but they just, they retained a lot of really good players. They're getting back someone like Godwin, who, you know, tore his ACL. Um, and then they also just signed Akeem Hicks. So, yeah, the Bucks are scary. I'm not happy about it. Then at number two, the Buffalo Bills. And I love the Bills. I really, really do. And I think their defense can be really good. You know, they're getting back to Davius White. And they're going to let Greg Rousseau develop. And then, of course, they have studs like Edmonds and Micah Hyde on defense. Their offense, that's even scarier. You've got Josh Allen. He's a top-two quarterback in the league at any given time when he's on. And they have an easily top-ten wideout in Stephon Diggs, plus, you know, good wide receivers like Gabriel Davis. The only thing for me keeping the Rams above the Bills is the loss of Brian Dayball um, and just Josh Allen. There are some games where he just doesn't have the accuracy and it doesn't look as good for the Bills. Aside from that, the Bills, they are the class of the AFC. They're right up there with the Chiefs. Then at number one, the LA Rams. My rule, you win the Super Bowl, you're there until something changes. And so I'm just not sure how much there is to say here, right? They retained nearly everyone after winning the Super Bowl. Odell Beckham, he's probably coming back. And even if he doesn't, they still replaced him with a really damn good receiver in Allen Robinson. I would know having had to watch the Packers play against him. I think Matthew Stafford will get even more comfortable with Sean McVay's offense. And it just feels like the Rams, they're going to roll into the divisional round and we'll see where they go from there. Seems fair to lock them into the playoffs at this point with a very high likelihood that they're in the divisional round and they're close to the Super Bowl once again. So that is my power rankings of the top 15 NFL teams. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun ranking these teams. In terms of the future, we'll see what happens. Um, again, OTAs, they all become mandatory next week. Hopefully we get something there. Maybe Rogers shows up. Uh, I hope to drop a midweek episode this week talking about things from OTAs. But we are, again, like I said, just kind of in a dead portion of the Packers offseason and there's not a lot, a lot for me to cover. So until then, you know, I uh, hope everyone's having a good time out there not watching too many interesting things from the Packers because there is nothing interesting, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Thank you, as always, for listening to Dedicated Packers, and until next time, go Pack, go!